There's a style of praying with scripture that I appreciate. There's a few styles, uh, Lexio Divina being one of those. Uh, where I think we've talked about that in the past, but uh, Ignatian Contemplation I've also written and talked about, but uh, I use that especially with the parables, even though the parables are stories. Sometimes uh, this Ignatian Contemplation method, which is uh, praying through the scriptures and really seeing it as almost a play or a movie that you're a part of, that you're an actor or uh, in some way involved in, and letting it kind of play out uh, paying attention to uh, the, the senses, paying attention to what's going on and uh, what might, might be moving in your interior spirit. And every time I sit with this particular parable, I can't help but see this widow as standing about four feet tall, uh, probably maybe no more than 100 pounds, maybe a bony little finger, and her purse in the crook of her elbow. I don't know why I have that little image, but uh, uh, we don't have any of those uh, widows here, right? But uh, they, they are tough. If you've ever met somebody like that, you know they are the toughest people on the face of the earth, and they will fight tooth and nail until they have justice. Maybe that's why I think about this particular kind of widow. And I see the judge... You know, the, the image of Boss Hogg from the old Dukes of Hazard kind of come in mind. This rather uh, kind of despicable character who is just as heavyset and, and uh, maybe a little unkempt and, and just kind of gross. My, the worst of Boss Hogg was the raw liver. Anyway, but uh, I, I can see these two playing out. And this judge in this parable, it, it says, Jesus says, he tells the story, he... He does not, the, the word we have translated here is fear. He doesn't reverence God. He doesn't worship God. He doesn't honor God. And he fears and does not respect any human being. Now, normally, where you have no high regard for one or another, that might be a good quality in a judge. Here it's very clear this is a bad quality. He respects no one. Well, as Jesus tells the story, though, Jesus might allow us to think, the only person in his world that he respects is himself. And this widow coming to him and render a just decision for me against my adversary. See, as a widow, widows of the time were the least. The only thing worse than being a widow was being, being an orphan. Their rights were not guaranteed. They had no guarantee of inheritance rights. If their family, extended family, wanted to take everything from them, they could. If, if somebody else wanted to take everything from them, they could. As a widow, she would have had no grounds except the law. And the judge, caring neither for God nor man, is not going to be so quick to respond to her needs. But, as Jesus tells the story, and I have to, have to admit I love what Jesus says about this man, while it's true I neither fear God nor respect any human being, this widow keeps bothering me. I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she come, we have a translated here, strike and strike me. Now in my prayer I can see her taking that purse off, her, off her, the crook of her elbow and having it filled with maybe coins, maybe a brick or a rock or something, and just bringing it down upon his head. But in the Greek, it's even better yet. It's a particular style of punch. It's one that causes a black eye. 
It literally translates to cause one to get a black eye. Can you imagine this little widow? He's terrified of her because she is persistent in her prayer. She will keep coming and coming and coming until she gets that just decision. And Jesus uses this parable, of course, to tell us about our own persistence in prayer. If you remember back a few weeks, we had another uh, gospel passage about, about praying always. And Jesus telling us to pray persistently. And the word persistent is shamelessly, without shame. Just to continue to pray. I find it fitting that that image is used here. And I, I think about some of the times and some of my own prayer and, and how easy it is to give up. And I think the Lord is inviting us this day to reflect Are there things so important to us, like the rights of a widow to a widow, that we're going to not give up? We're going to keep praying persistently, shamelessly, knowing because we don't have to have shame because it is right and just that a decision would be made for us. Do we continue? And Jesus invites us, will God not then, if this judge does such a thing, will not God do this? And do we have the courage to trust that God will secure the rights of his chosen ones? Or will he be slow to answer? The actual word is, will he be patient? No, God will impatiently answer the prayers of those who call out and continue to call out. We don't have to be afraid. And we have to remember sometimes the answer to our prayers is one of three things. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's not yet, that we are not prepared for it. And sometimes no. And when it's no, do we trust that God has something better in store, better in mind, that we continue to pray for whatever it is? As we hear in the second reading, that we continue to align our will with the will of God and to pray persistently, shamelessly, that God will respond. And so this parable is an encouragement to continue to pray. And of course, the Lord is not encouraging us towards violence and giving somebody a black eye if we don't get our needs met, but certainly to reflect how far, how persistent am I going to be in my prayer? knowing that the Lord is good and knowing that the Lord is going to give every good thing, if it is his will. And we might ask them, well, how do we know God's will? We hear it, and St. Paul tells us, this is the will of God for you, your holiness, our sanctity, our becoming saints. But even then, that's a little bit out there, isn't it? What is God's will? And that's why I think St. Paul telling Timothy to study Scripture. And scripture tells us God's will. First, we have to remember, as St. Paul is referring to all Scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet, most likely. By the time he was writing to Timothy, it was fairly early. The Gospels probably were, if they were written, were just, uh, the ink was barely dry yet, perhaps, is a good way of putting it. He's referring to the Old Testament. 
And that should not disturb us because we remember, especially in the Road to Emmaus story, how Jesus took the scriptures, opened them up to the disciples as they were walking along the way, and revealed everything that pertained to him. Which sounds like so little, but I imagine in seven-mile walk, Jesus was just scratching the surface. Because the whole Old Testament refers to him, hidden. And it's useful. And St. Paul telling us that it's God-inspired. The the word is actually God-breathed. I like that image. God has breathed it out. It's not that literally he's writing it, but he inspires, he breathes into the author. And the author then, inspired by that breath of God, writes. And writes in a way that reveals it should not disturb us, and unfortunately, sometimes our Protestant brothers and sisters will use this particular passage as all scriptures useful for teaching and preaching and exhortation as against the church, the Catholic Church. And we have to remember, of course, it refers only to the Old Testament, first of all, but now we would, of course, add the New Testament. We're not opposed to that. But when they say such things as, where do you find that in the scriptures? Well, there's lots of stuff we believe as Catholics, as Christians, that we believe together with those that are not Catholic. They're not found in the Old Testament explicitly. The resurrection, the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, taking on flesh. It's all hinted at, foreshadowed, but not there. So when we look at the scriptures, again, New and Old Testament, we we can add, they tell us God's will for our lives. Sometimes we see a law that helps us to live, but more times than not, the stories tell us. Perhaps today, as an example, we use that first reading. Many of us will never think God be called upon to pray for during a battle, but how we know that there is a battle raging just under the surface. We do not see it. A spiritual battle of heaven and earth, heaven and Satan. And that battle rages, and God wants us to pray persistently, to pray with hands outstretched, perhaps. And just as Moses grew tired, so we might grow tired. And that's where it's important to have maybe others praying with us. Maybe that's a lesson and just an example of what we can do when we take the scriptures and pray with them. To pray, to discover God's will for our lives, to respond, to be persistent, to be shameless in our prayer, knowing that what we ask, if it's God's will, is right and just 